0: The pace of change today can be overwhelming. What's most important to pay attention to if you want to be creative, successful, innovative? I'm Bob Safian, host of Rapid Response. Rapid Response is a podcast that cuts through the noise, featuring candid conversations twice a week with top business leaders navigating real-time challenges. Leaders like Airbnb's Brian Chesky, the WNBA's Kathy Engelbart, and Khan Academy's Sal Khan. From the team behind the award-winning Masters of Scale podcast comes Rapid Response. Search wherever you get your podcasts to listen and subscribe.
1: This is our third installment of Soul Curriculum, the new companion show for Meditative Story, where we invite back one of our guests to look a little deeper into their story. I love being part of meditative story because it can really help deepen our understanding of ourselves. We delve into other people's stories and worlds, and by doing so, we hold up a mirror to our own lives and our own transformative experiences. Today, we have a special guest returning, Dallas Taylor, the host of 20,000 Hertz and a talented sound designer and musician. You may remember he joined us a few episodes ago, and told us an incredibly beautiful and bittersweet story about his transformation through playing the trumpet earlier in his life, when he experienced immense pressure. Today's story is an extra special look behind the scenes and the intimate interview process we use for Meditative Story. Dallas was moved by his experience working with us, and it was a nice surprise for the team to hear that he spoke about that process on his companion podcast, Microhertz, with his producer, Andrew Anderson. A call and response, if you like. This is an exclusive peek behind the scenes of how we create our stories. After we hear a clip of Dallas talking about his experience as a storyteller, we have a second special guest. I interviewed Ryan Holiday, our meditative story composer. And together we explore his world of scoring and crafting his beautiful cinematic music for Dallas's podcast and for each unique storyteller we work with. We're so lucky to bring you original music for every episode, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you later in the show. Now, let's hear from Dallas and Andrew. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Microhertz, the exclusive show for 20,000 Hertz premium subscribers.
0: Joining me today is our producer, Andrew Anderson. Dallas, I think one of the things that people definitely want to hear about, you know, because we've just done two episodes that are a bit different, especially the collaboration that you did with Meditative Story. Can you tell me a bit about how that came about and what that was actually like sharing something quite traumatic, really? And as you said, at the time, you'd not shared it publicly before.
2: I was at the Ambi Awards, which was one of the first things that I had, it was definitely the first awards ceremony I'd been to post-COVID. And so all these just amazing podcasters in a single room. After the show, I'm wandering around, I'm about to leave. I think I even walked out the door once, but I was like, I'll do one more spin just to see if I know anybody. Walked in. Jay from Wait What, which is the company that makes meditative story, we just got to talking about how can we collaborate? And Jay brought up Really quickly, he brought up meditative story, which is all about a transformational moment in someone's life that changed everything. And I said, immediately, it's when I lost the ability to play the trumpet. And he was like, really? What was that about? And I said, I had a panic attack in a concert, and it's been rattling in my brain for years. Like, to me, it's vivid. It is very clear, the whole story. So I started launching into it. And before I knew it, I was 15 minutes into talking about it. And I was like, I just need to stop now. But why don't we get on a call? So the brilliant thing about the way that they make their show is they scheduled three different times on the calendar to talk about this story to where they could hear the story, tweak the story, and then even talk about what did the place smell like? What did it look like? What was the color of her hair? Things like that. The first one was scheduled for 30 minutes. It went on for an hour and a half of me talking the entire time. And I told that story from top to bottom and it was heavy because I felt like it was counseling. I was just trying to get it out of me because it's been sitting in my brain for so long. This all happened over the course of a month or two. And eventually, a week or two after the last interview that I did, they sent over a script. And it was sometime in the evening because I remember immediately popping it open and reading it from top to bottom. And I, I... I... Broke down six times in it because it was, it felt, it wasn't necessarily just the story. It was holding on to something for 20 years in my brain that now, not only is it going to be heard from other people and hopefully other musicians who struggle with this identify with it. Not only that, but I had a, a team of people at Meditative Story listening to me and they wrote it flawlessly.
0: It really does sound like your
2: voice. That's the
0: thing that struck me about it.
2: Yeah, they really extracted that. From me too. So luckily, when I went to record it, they were on the call. I knew the points where I was going to be very emotional, so I was able to block that emotion while I was reading it, until the story at the very end. And I can hear it a little bit in the recording. But the first time I read the one about Daniel Tiger's song and my oldest daughter... Oh, I cried when (laughs) I heard that bit. I got so emotional because I can see her. I remember it vividly. When I recorded it the very first take, I think there's a lot more quiver and pauses and stuff. You can hear a little bit of it in the story, but I think they only used a little bit of it. But then the other cool thing is right after this, the composer Ryan Holiday, who's incredible, calls me and says, hey, would you be interested in just playing some notes into your microphone that I can use into the score? And I was like, okay. And obviously through this whole story, there's a love-hate relationship with the trumpet. And Mm. truly, I do not pull it out. It's been years. So I pulled it out. I ended up spending 45 minutes playing scales and just pushing down on the valves just to hear that. And even attempting pictures at an exhibition.
0: And I think I did a pretty good job. What did it feel like, that 45 minutes with the trumpet? Well,
2: afterward, my face hurt a lot because I was doing some pretty ambitious playing with muscles that have not been trained to do that in 20 years. You know, there's a lot of anxiousness that comes with me just putting the horn to my mouth. So that's all true. Everything in the story is just dead on. But in that case, I don't know. It felt like that's it. This is the full story, and this is the last time. It's out whether or not I play the trumpet again for my girls and stuff, it feels like the whole loop has closed on that chapter. And it took that 20-year break and meditative story to close a chapter of my life because now I feel heard and I feel like people understand what I went through. And so there's so much happiness and comfort in just being heard. I was like, this is it. This is like my final thing that it's all out of me now.
0: Did your kids even know that you played the trumpet?
2: It's weird to me to think that with so much of my identity wrapped up in being a trumpet player back then, that nowadays, most people that I've met over the past 15 to 20 years wouldn't even know that that was my past, which is weird. It's like this very minor thing because my mother-in-law played clarinet and my wife played flute and my father-in-law played saxophone and my brother-in-law played saxophone. So like there's all these little tidbits like, oh yeah, back when you were a little kid. But to me, the trumpet was what my whole world was and where I was going. So it's weird to think that in most people's minds, the trumpet is a footnote of an anecdote of who Dallas is, yet it was such a huge, monumental part of my life and my, the way I even felt and saw myself.
0: I guess now you've got a totally different thing that you're also being known for being a podcast host people that don't even know you will probably speak to you about that right
2: one thing that i've learned is that people know you from what you are projecting Mm -hmm. and so what i mean by that is obviously there was a long period of time where it it was dallas taylor trumpet player then i went into sound design so dallas taylor the sound designer And still a lot of people know me as that. There's a lot of people that I work with that have never heard the podcast and have no idea this whole world that happens. They just go, oh, Dallas Taylor owns DeFacto Sound and incredible team of sound designers. So then that's the third thing that I'm known for. But I'm also just incredibly private. And to my kids and my family, I am all family. I have a very strict work-life balance. When When the studio and the podcast is over, I don't write emails after hours. I'm very like, get into dad mode and spend time with my kids and wife and travel and things like that. So yeah, I have been I have four different identities in my mind, but you know, to the external world, they know me as just one of those things. And for me, you're the boss. <laughs> I guess so, <laughs> which is a really weird thing too. We have currently nine people on staff and that's also terrifying. As now everyone knows, struggling with anxiety and stuff, that is something I internally struggle with quite a bit is the responsibility to the nine people on staff to do my job to the best of my ability.
0: Well, Dan, it's just on behalf of all of the listeners, I'm sure, and definitely everyone out there who's experienced anxiety in any situation, performance anxiety or otherwise, thanks very much for sharing that story with us. It really touched me when I listened to it, and I'm sure a lot of other people have had that reaction as well. To me,
2: selfishly, it was very much a cathartic, counseling, get it out of me experience. I've been in counseling for years. I think that's really helpful, just cognitive behavioral therapy. Not only that, and it's just talking about problems. If you can just get them out of your mouth without a lot of interruptions, this is why counseling is so great is because they just listen to you and they let you work most of it out. But it's hard nowadays in our society to just have long periods of meandering in thought. And so selfishly, the meditative story I had the attention of five, 10 incredibly thoughtful, caring people and writers who let me just talk for three solid hours straight. And then they went back and they recorded this. I hope that this resonates with a lot of people because it's something that was taboo to talk about with performance anxiety. But for me, I feel like there's a big chapter of my life that has been closed thanks Mm -hmm. to the meditative story team.
1: That was Dallas Taylor on his Microhertz podcast. We loved hearing about his experience crafting his meditative story. And it also actually inspired us to take you a little deeper into the inner workings of making the show. So we're super delighted to have Ryan Holiday, who for me is one of the secret heroes of the meditative story operation. He's the brain, the hands, the heart behind the original music that you hear on every episode. And if I remember correctly, you've been writing the music since we recorded the first pilot.
3: Yeah, I think you and I have been long haulers with Meditative Story. I think we've been a part of this show since its inception. So it's so wonderful to get to talk to you like this. So thank you.
1: Our listeners will be familiar with your name through the end credits. But could you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved with the show?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I've been making music in one form or another since I was a kid, Um originally in different kind of bands in my teens and 20s, and then kind of becoming an experimental sound artist, and then ultimately doing scoring for Meditative Story, which, yeah, I started really helping not just create the music for the show, but being a part of it from the beginning, as I know you were, Rohan, of developing what this show was going to be from kind of every angle.
1: Yeah, so the way I understand the show, I think of it as a trinity. You know, On one side, you've got the storyteller, sharing their experiences. On the other side, you've got myself bringing the meditation elements to it. And then the third aspect is you connecting everything together through the sound. Yeah. What's your take on how the sound of the show relates to the whole mindfulness aspect?
3: I've always thought the story is really at the center. And I think our job is to support that first and foremost, as you do so beautifully by preparing the listener through your introductions and your mindfulness insertions and i think the music can enhance the experience of bringing out certain emotional resonance from the story and mm. and kind of slowing things down a bit and sort of to direct people's focus absolutely But it has been such a beautiful experience to come to meditation through this and to learn more about it through your, through your meditations and through your teachings. Um, it's been an amazing education for me.
1: And maybe a bit of an education for me, I guess, because I'd love to understand your process on the show and how you approach scoring an episode.
3: I actually approach it as a listener first. I generally prefer not to know a lot about the story beforehand so I can really listen to them telling their story And often what I'll do is actually sit at the piano and just start sketching with no idea of what sort of instruments I'll end up bringing in to augment it. But it's kind of the first draft of what I'm initially hearing in the story and and musically responding to. But then on a second pass, I think, OK, well, what are the instruments that live in this universe?
1: I love that. And with Dallas's episode, it's very clear he had the trumpet from him as part of the story. But I guess in other episodes, it won't always be as literal as that, right?
3: Yeah it's a little bit of a balancing act in terms of how to create a score that's evocative, but doesn't sort of go for the low-hanging fruit in terms of what you imagine would be the obvious thing to do with the scene, whether that's sitar in India or a banjo for the bayou or something. Now, those can be really helpful. And a lot of times I do incorporate those things into the score, but I feel like to rely solely on those instruments can be a little too obvious. So I think... One of the things is trying to create a score that brings you to that place, but also pushes it further beyond what you would expect in sort of a sonic universe of this story.
1: How did you work with the pieces that Dallas brought to the score?
3: Well, it was interesting because when Dallas sent over his recording, I could tell the process of him actually recording that was him working through his own anxiety around this instrument. So it was kind of an an amazing window into what he was really describing in his episode about the journey he's had with the trumpet. Mm. In terms of what I used from his recording, I... A lot of what he played was references to pieces that he played when he was younger. So they had very specific parts in the story where I knew that they could fit in. But then there were other parts where I felt like it did require... A player who was really at the top of their game in the way that Dallas was, I know, when he was younger. So I felt like mm-hmm. getting sort of a combination of both of those things was important. So we brought in an incredible player, Danny Levin, to kind of augment the pieces that Dallas played throughout the episode. But even some of what I did with Dallas's playing was actually completely deconstruct it. So he would send me just long single notes and I actually turned some of those notes into just a sample keyboard so I could actually play those notes individually and then create washes out of them. So throughout the episode you do hear him playing solo sometimes but then other times this sort of Ambient gauze of music that you're hearing. It's still him. him. It's still him. Yeah. So he's kind of embedded throughout the episode, even when he's not the focal point.
1: Was there a particular favorite moment? To score in that episode?
3: Well, I really loved the ending when he was talking about picking up the trumpet and playing for his kids at night. It was both a special moment to score and also a bit of a challenging one because he talked about a Mr. Rogers song that we obviously couldn't use, but I wanted to kind of evoke the feeling of that song and him playing over different nights. So we actually had the the trumpet player, Danny Levin, play with different approaches to the trumpet. So he would play with his mute on, with it off, in different parts of the room. So it sounded like sort of a montage over many nights of him playing to his children. And it's always nice when we get an opportunity to do an extended musical ending, and that was one of the longer ones we had done And it felt right just to have a moment where you were just hearing beautiful trumpet playing.
1: Right. And when you're doing scores, well, the storytellers are musicians. Does that make you nervous at all? Or is that another thing for you? <laughs>
3: yeah, totally. And I'm such a fan of his and, and his show. I'm I'm actually a supporter. So before we even did this episode, I was so thrilled to get to work on his story. But Knew that <laughs> someone like him would probably be coming with a much more uh, critical ear than the average listener, but he was so great to work with and such a kind collaborator that it quickly melted away once I realized what a gentle and and sweet person we were working with. That said, I still would love his advice on on anything I can do to make this show sound better because I think his show sounds incredible.
1: And speaking of things that sound incredible, I was wondering, just maybe we could talk a little bit about Sleep Song. For those who, the listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with it, and how people can hear more about your scoring work.
3: So, Sleep Song was born out of the feedback we were getting from a lot of our listeners who would actually fall asleep listening to meditative story. It originally began as a way to just put the scores in its own feed so people could listen to, but now it's really become its own thing and and kind of an opportunity for me as well as actually the other composers here at Wait What, who work on our other shows, Spark and Fire and Masters of Scale. It's become sort of an opportunity for all of us to experiment and sketch out ideas. One example is I recently purchased a small organ from an estate sale. I thought, oh, this will be really nice for a sleep song. But as I was recording this organ, it was starting to die. So the recording we hear is actually the sound of this organ kind of fading into obsolescence, really. And that was just like a, a really beautiful experience to record that. But something like that doesn't really fit into our traditional format. So, simply put, sleep song is a great way to fall asleep. But from a composer standpoint, it's just kind of an opportunity to try things out. And where can people hear that? So, the best way is to go to meditativestory.com, which has a whole sleep song section, and it'll direct you to becoming a subscriber, where we have a subscriber only feed for. Sleep Song, so you can access it through Apple Podcasts as a Meditative Story subscriber.
1: Ryan, it's been so great to have you on the show and for listeners to get to meet
3: you. Oh, Thank you so much, Rohan. And it's such a pleasure to get to chat with you, getting to work with you so often as part of this, the Trinity that is Meditative Story. So looking forward to more conversations like this in the future. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much to Dallas and Andrew from 20,000 Hertz for sharing your interview with our audience. I recommend you check out their podcast and also Microhertz for fascinating insights into the world of sound and join the Microhertz community. Microhertz is a bonus series available to 20,000 Hertz premium subscribers. I also love talking with Ryan, getting to know more about his process. I hope you did too. So that's all we have time for on this Soul Curriculum episode please be sure to listen to Dallas Taylor's Meditative Story if you haven't already. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this episode. Our handle is at Meditative Story on all your social media platforms. Be sure to follow us too. You can also email us at hello at meditativestory.com. Until next time. helping others discover the show so if leaving a review speaks to you today we'd really appreciate it Meditative Story is a Wait What original our executive producers are Darren Triff June Cohen and Rebecca Grierson Jay Punjabi is our supervising producer the series is produced by Dorothy Abrams and Timothy Lou Lee Original music and sound design by Ryan Holiday Our script writers are Hannah Brencher, Peter Keckley Marie McCoy-Thompson and Florence Williams Mixing and mastering by Brian Pugh Special thanks to Emily McManus Anna Pizino Sarah Tata Kelsey Capitano Tim Cronin Sammy Oputa Leah Sarah Colin Howarth, Chineme Ezequena, Charlie Menezes, and Adam Heiner. And I'm Rohan Gunatilako, creator of the Buddhify Meditation app and your host. Visit MeditativeStory.com to find the transcript for this episode.